This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hi, so today I'm speaking with Elizabeth Reese, the founder of Eliza Eliza. Eliza Eliza is a bag and accessories brand based in Cardiff, Wales, aiming to empower you to start conversations about the causes you care about. And the hashtag Elizabeth uses for her business is carry your cause. So we spoke a lot about the causes that Elizabeth supports through her business, um, how she does that, how she's formed partnerships, um, as well as, of course, all the details about how she designs and creates her products. I thought this was a really interesting fascinating conversation as they all are um elizabeth is probably the guest that i've spoken to the most about the causes she supports and how she does that um and i found it all super interesting and i really hope you do too so i would love now to introduce you to elizabeth well hi thank you so much for being here hi vicky so could we start by you please give an introduction to yourself your business and what you sell Thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast. So I'm Elizabeth Reese, and I'm founder and um, owner of Eliza Eliza um, and I make sustainably conscious bags and accessories that aim to start conversations about the causes that we all care about. Um, so that's anything from gynecological cancer to um, gender equality and endangered turtles and many more. Thank you. And I'm, I'm right in thinking, aren't I, that you make your bags yourself? I do, yes. Um, so I, I've, I've always started, um, made bags myself. Um, and I, <laughs> I, um, I started making them when I was on maternity leave. Um, and I needed a, a, I wanted something to keep my nappies and wet wipes and bits and pieces in when I was out and about rather than taking a massive changing bag so I I'd done a bit of sewing in the past um, and decided to make a, a small pouch with some fabric that I found um, and just used it to to carry the nappies in between my changing bags and and put an, or put under the the buggy just to have a little bit less to carry out and about but yeah, that, I make them all myself. <laughs> that makes that makes total sense because those big change. I think the big changing bags just kind of there's something about them that just makes you want to fill them because they're, they are so big. It sort of works the oh, other way, doesn't it? You put so much in there because you can. Oh, absolutely. And if I've got a bag, I mean, my mum, she, I think she, we, it's a joke in our family that 
I always had a bag with me when I was younger and however big it is I will always fill it and I think when especially when you're a first time mum you you just fill your changing bag with everything you might just need um and you'll put an extra couple of nappies in there even though you'll never need them really in muslins galore and um but yeah so I um yeah it was just really useful to um, have this little pouch um that I could carry around with me and I a lot of people started commenting on how useful they were and so I'd make make some for them maybe um and it just started from there yeah so that leads me on really nicely so what inspired you to start Eliza Eliza because obviously it sounds like first of all you were making bags for yourself and maybe for friends so what inspired you to actually start a business so going right back before I I had children I actually um, came from a background of um, teaching I um, I'm trained as a secondary geography teacher and when I went on my maternity leave I I um I wanted something a bit extra to do just to keep myself busy and my friends had told me about this raw doll fabric and it, it's a beautiful print and I started making these cushions and selling them online and selling them through Etsy and they were the cushions with pockets in them you could put the books in um, and it just snowballed and started growing um, because I'd done that um, sewing I made these bags and um, because I realized that the pocket cushions couldn't really grow into a business long term um, and um, to a scale that I would like to because I didn't really want to go back to teaching I, I understood that it wasn't a passion that I wanted I had um, and wanted to do for the rest of my life um, so yes yeah, so I started I've been selling these cushions online and through Etsy and marketplaces. Um, and I, sorry, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Um, found this whole in area world online that I never really knew existed. Um, started making the bags and wanted to um, go down another business route sorry I've really lost my train of thought here no, that's no problem at all we're <laughs> talking about so you started off selling on it so that's mate so that was before you even had this business that was just you was it just selling the cushions um so something completely separate was what you're doing now really even yes, though it sounds it, like it's the start of it yes it was it's, it's, it's I suppose this was 10 years ago uh so nine years ago with my first son so it's been a very long journey to get into where I am now um, and I've had two other children since um, so yeah the, the bags I, I I'd been making these pouches um, decided I wanted um, to grow the business went online to to see what other fabrics I could use I really wanted to find a linen fabric perhaps um, to have something with a bit more um, that could be used with different um, outfits. Um, and I found this beautiful hemp that was woven in the UK. And I love the idea of it being British um, and sustainable. Um, and, and actually when, when I first saw the, the cost of the, the fabric per meter, I was like, oh my goodness, it's, <laughs> it's very expensive. Um, but I thought, I'll just go for it, see how it turned out. And I loved it. 
and started using them as all the like all the time um because they could go with any outfit and when you're a, a mother it's you want something that's nice and easy so having a bag that I could just pick up and use um to go down to the pub with my friends or go out and about just to pop to the shops was just so useful um and the what's really good about the the hemp as well is that it's it's quite hard wearing as well you can throw it around throw it in um in the bag in your bag um and I could use it to organize my bag as well um yeah I don't know much about hemp actually so what um this might be a really silly question but what was what other fabric would you say hemp is most like because I'm trying to think I don't think I've ever seen it in the I've obviously seen your products online but in real life I don't think I've seen a hemp bag so um is it like a canvasy kind of material it is yeah you can you it's slightly different so the hemp I use is actually a mix of hemp and cotton um it's it's a lot more hemp hemp is a is a very it can be quite a rough um fabric depending on how it's processed and there's lots of different types of hemp unfortunately hemp gets a really bad it gets really bad press because it has an association with marijuana and it's actually made from the cannabis sativa um, plant um, but it's a completely different um, species to the marijuana so it contains it doesn't contain, contain any what they call like psychoactive um, chemicals this the thc that is the what makes you get high if you if you use marijuana um, but hemp hasn't got those properties um, but the actual fabric is you might find it a little bit rougher um, and, and textured initially but it does soften over time and actually um, it's with the, the in, improvement of processing of hemp it does mean that we can use it for um, things like shirts and um, other more delicate or or, or um, clothing accessories that need more delicate fabrics which is really good because hemp is just the most wonderful um, fiber it's just, it's it's one of the most sustainable um, fabrics that we've got and we know in in um, the world because it uses a lot less water um, it's it almost grows like a weed you can grow it almost anywhere in the world um, but it's just got this association with marijuana which has meant that it's how it's been held back in how we can grow it and where we can grow it in the world it sounds like the hemp that's grown for fabric for example is different is, is that right? It's a different plant? Yeah, it's, it's a different species. Um, although, um, I mean, this is my very, what I've learned over time, um, which is, can be very basic, but um, yeah, it's different to marijuana. It's, it's, it's got different properties. I think it's something like hemp THC is, has got to be under like 0.3%. Um, anything over that is, is deemed illegal to grow um, and, and even hemp itself in the UK you need to get special license from the home office to to grow it um, and they're really hard to, to get hold of really expensive you have to the farms have to be 
vetted depending on their size and the location um but it is improving and i think there's more understanding um on how useful hemp can be and what it can be used for and because it has so many environmental properties um or positives um it's um it's been used and, and discovered more and more on how useful it can be that's really interesting thank you for sharing that so I knew nothing about it and I think it's really great that you can source it in the UK as well because that's not always the case for fabric yeah I mean the hemp I use um it's it's Romanian and um French hemp and then they bring it over to here because there are so many problems of growing hemp in the country um they bring it over and it's woven in Lancashire and, and Yorkshire. Um, like I said, it is woven with a cotton, organic cotton as well, so that it does help keep it a bit, slightly softer than if you just used hemp. But the hope is that eventually they will use hemp grown in this country. It's, it's just so, so difficult. In fact, I mean, hemp goes back, it's one of the oldest fabrics known to man um, and women. Um, it's um, they've they've used it for years and years and years. I mean, I think there's um, it's been found te- um, eight thousand years ago. I think it's the oldest piece of fabric that's been found, um, and that was hemp. Um, it, it's been used um, in the UK very much for rope and sails as the British grew their empire. There was a huge push to grow hemp in fact I think it at one point there was a time where it was illegal not to grow hemp and all farmers had to produce a certain amount of hemp on on their farming land um but then because there'd been associations with marijuana it was all made illegal um in the early 19th century the uh, 20th century and it wasn't legalized again till I think it was about the 1990s um but yeah it's 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 I mean it's a, the more I find out about it the the more I love it and it's it's got so many um properties which make it uh great as a bag because it's antibacterial it's an antifungal so with anything like a bag or clothes it's great for it's not if it gets dirty it almost cleans itself it's self-cleaning um which is really useful and, and then there's so many other things it can be useful I mean I've heard they've made they've made bricks from hemp it's amazing it is it's um they can they can use it for I mean I suppose there's other um because there's so many properties it has and it and the nutrients it has it can be ingested as well so it can be um you might have seen hemp oil in supermarkets um and so every part of the plant can be used effectively which is another reason why it's such a useful um product um farming um and agricultural um <laughs> plant I know what you mean. yeah because yeah, i see what you can tell it sounds like there's just no waste which is fantastic because no. with most plants there's like some element of waste yeah, they can use it as a rotation prop as well, which because it almost puts nutrients back into. I mean, I don't know complete the science of it, but it puts nutrients back into the to land, which is obviously fantastic and, and means that it it's it's um 
as a farm it's not an area of land that's been left to do nothing it can be making money while it's um <laughs> it's adding nutrients into the the soil as yeah and it's fun. and it's um the other thing is i mean it it acts as a carbon sink so it it takes in a lot more carbon dioxide than many trees do um which is fantastic for the um reducing climate change and um yeah it's it's a wonder it's a wonder the more i find out about it the better and the more i want to use it and i i would love to one day just use hemp i mean that would be the the ideal situation if if um because at the moment i still use cotton um for where my because i have design printed onto to cotton to use on the linings of of my bags and and accessories but one day it would be amazing if they were made from hemp I, that's the ideal situation yeah and i will talk a bit, a bit more about the linings of your products later mm -hmm. as well because they're obviously very unique um <laughs> and we'll talk about those and the causes that you're supporting through your products as well so it does sound like hemp is an ideal product for for making bags um mm -hmm. so once you found a fabric that you wanted to work with and you're excited to use so what happens so what happened then talk us through um you just started making the bags and then you found the hemp what happened next so i um i started selling them through etsy again and for a long time i i sold them through um online and etsy and the reason i i the lining was um i use patterns i to, to be honest i i didn't have many plain fabrics so i just started using what i had and so I used the fabrics inside and I suppose maybe it was just an instinct I wanted to be able to give back I I, I found this attraction towards raising a bit of money initially for a charity as part of um of producing the the bags and I discovered uh, the first charity I started working with was um, a charity called Unseen and they work with survivors of modern day slavery. They are based in Bristol. And I approached them and said, oh, please, can I just work with you, partner with you and, and help raise some money for you? And they uh, were more than happy to um, work with me. Um, and then it must have been about six months later, a year later, I, I, I said, well, what I'd love to do is perhaps make the 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 line and the, the design a bit more meaningful. So I I said that I I defend I'd um, would look for some an artist that could perhaps put together a design that would be would relate to what they were doing, and we we had a lot of ideas. We discussed things that we could um, focus on the design but what unseen really like to do is is promote the the positives of what they are doing as a, a charity rather than looking back to the the slavery point and the i actually use butterflies as part of that um collection and the reason being is because they have a brilliant program called the butterfly program and it works on um 
with safe houses for women um, and help support women, gives them um, help with counselling, with um, integration back into communities. Um, it, it, it almost just maybe just giving them a pack of um, of clothes or um, um, toiletries when they come into this safe house. All the little things we don't really tend to think about because many of these women have perhaps come over to this country if they've been trafficked over from another country and have nothing else apart from the clothes that they're wearing when they are rescued. Uh, so the safe houses work with these women and it's called the Butterfly Programme. So that's why I have to use butterflies. Um, and yeah, it's, it just went from then. I think the second charity was the Eve Appeal, which you've probably seen um, if you, my Eve Appeal um, collection is called the V Collection and has um, vulvas inside. And the reason being is because the Eva Pill um, worked to raise awareness for the five gynecological cancers, um, which I will remind because I remind everyone what they are because a lot of people don't realise there's five gynecological cancers. So there's ovarian, cervical, womb, vaginal and vulval. And the idea with the V collection is that it raises um, awareness and starts conversation. So a lot of people might look at the vulvas and feel like they're a bit explicit but to me the idea is that it starts that conversation and that's the most important part of what the bags or I hope that the bags do um, and then on the side they they also raise work, raise money for the charity as well. Those were the designs I actually when I was looking at your products um, when we first started speaking those were the ones that really stood out to me because they are really unique and really eye-catching. So I can see they're definitely a conversation starter. I can definitely see that if you had that bag, someone might say, oh, what does that, what's that for? Or what does that mean? So I think yeah. it's def- I think it, it will definitely be achieving that as, as well as, as you say, raising some money as well. Mm-hmm. The V Collection, I mean, it's certainly my most popular um, collection because I think it is the one that stands out from the rest. Um, it's the one that's um, in the past it's been shared by Gillian Anderson um, and influences Emily Clarkson shared it um, when she she brought it. I made these masks in in lockdown because one of the reasons I had it inside the bag as well is I thought it would be it's, it's almost like a it's, it's not it's, it's um oh. It's like a secret it'd been in the bag, but it doesn't, it's not showing off that you can show it to whoever you want to start the conversation. It doesn't have to be completely out there. Um, but then when I started doing face masks um, a couple of years ago, post-lockdown, um, people would quite happily wear them on their faces. And but I think the design isn't, it's, I mean, even my mum thought they were, they were bugs. I think it's not obvious that they are it's one of those are they are they what I think they are <laughs> and there's, there's lots of different design uh, colors so it means um it sort of represents everyone um and it's yeah just starts a conversation and uh 
So I will make sure I put a link to your shop in the show notes so people can actually Thank go you. and take a look at this design because obviously we've talked about it a lot. It's good to actually go and see it now <laughs> so you can see what we're talking about. So did you find an artist to work with to come up with these designs for you? So I I first, well, the, the, um, the, the Volvo collection, when I did that, it was because um, I'd actually found the design before I pro approached the Eve Appeal and the artists I found, I worked quite a lot with a fabric produ uh, producer called Spoonflower and they print onto fabrics and you can, there's lots of different um, fabric types you, you can print onto. So I print onto like a, an organic cotton sateen, you can print onto um I suppose like um polycottons or um heavier canvases and yeah because it's smaller quantities so you go onto a spoon flower and you can there's all these different designs you can you can choose from and I I happened to come across this vulva design and so I approached the artist and asked her she's based as a, a lady called Tasha and she's based in Canada um which is another reason it's brilliant because you can use people from all over the world and what's really good about using spoonflower is that every time i buy from spoonflower the artist gets a percentage of that um which is really good as well if you are um not wanting to buy the rights straight out um from an artist because sometimes with artists you'll buy the rights to use their designs um but whereas with Spoonflower, you just pay every time you use the design if you have an agreement with them. And, and, I, and I think the fact that I could turn around to Tasha and say, it's going to help raise awareness, it's going to um, help um, raise money for my charity. I think that was another, another reason why she was more than happy for me to start like that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think last time I looked, it, it, the collection it's raised over three thousand pounds for the Eve appeal um and and so yeah the i think the artists are really really encouraging and wanting um to for me to use their designs because it's it's given back in a way that that they want to support as well that's amazing i think yeah that's, that's really lovely that you're able to support an artist and support a charity and yeah this is really nice isn't it how mm -hmm. How that works so where with this um the site i guess the only downside is does that mean potentially other people could use the same designs that you're using oh absolutely and and, and i and i i don't want to keep secret over um using spoonflower because i think if you want to that yes they can go and use i mean i have an agreement with the artist to use the designs on a commercial side and i think it's important that people understand even just for a matter of politeness, that it's important they go and ask an artist if they can use it if they're not using it just for personal use. But yeah, I mean, if you if you if you go into Spoonflower and search anything, it's it's I love. I mean, it's a brilliant site, and I I think they're really supportive of artists um, and and product makers alike. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's great that you were able to contact the artist directly. So it wasn't like a platform in between you and her. That mm -hmm. sounds like that's really nice because there are lots of sites out there where there's sort of a disconnect between you and the person who's created the art or 
what the design or whatever it is mm-hmm. so this sounds really nice that you could sort of actually speak to the artist and tell her what you were using it for and yeah I, I really like that aspect of it mm-hmm. yeah no I, I I mean actually all of the um the designs I, I print I, I use Spoonflower and quite a few of them I found through Spoonflower um but like I said it, it means that you can you can access people who are, I think, um, the lady that, um, Angelique, who produces my turtle fabric, she's based in South Africa, and I might never have known about her if I um, hadn't been on, on Spoonflower. But it's really useful. And so you mentioned earlier about people, um, you mentioned Gillian Anderson and Emily Clarkson sort of sharing your products. So was that something deliberate that you were trying to get um, influencers or people to use your products or is that something that happened organically I'm just being curious um, yeah no both by accident really so um Gillian Anderson had been a gift for a um a, f- a friend was was going to see a show she'd done and I sort of said oh can you just see if you can give her this um purse um never think well I thought I was hoping she might make share it on a story but she did a post on it in the end which was brilliant for me on, on Instagram so it meant it stayed there forever um and that and and it is it's, it's incredible when if you if you have a, a an influencer with a, a a good following it's incredible the difference it can make as a business um and it just it kicked off completely overnight and I sold out and it was wonderful with Emily Clarkson that was she'd actually bought the face mask herself because she works quite closely with the Eva Peel and she'd seen them promote the face mask so that was that was wonderful um and that was really nice because she'd bought the mask herself and then and then shared it that is really nice um so at this what, at what stage were you selling on your own website as well as on Etsy were you, were you yeah when did that happen so Fairly early on, I switched to my own website. Um, I I I'd been speaking to um, a friend of mine, and she she almost um, encouraged me to to switch to a website uh, rather than using Etsy. Uh, and I I I actually started using Squarespace because I mean it's it's very easy to they've got all these templates and you you just almost um and I having come from a background which I wasn't very technically uh, (laughs) educated um it was much easier for me to to be able to just put in pictures and a bit of text and and the information that was needed and upload it straight away um so I would encourage anyone to to use anything like Squarespace to if they wanted to start a website um Etsy is really useful I think when you initially start um and um a great way to to get your to dip your feet in to to dip your foot in so to speak but I think a website it's yours it's your website it um no one can take it away for you whereas I think with something like Etsy or any other marketplace they have full control over everything you do and they can decide what they're showing Um, and I think it's it's just 
more of a professional feel when you've got your, your own website as well. Um, I think when I promote my website, it feels, yeah, a lot more professional. And I still use, obviously, things like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook to help promote um, my bags and accessories, but everything goes to the website now. And oh, so that's really interesting. So when you launched your website, did you turn off Etsy completely? Uh, I think I even still have an Etsy <laughs> store somewhere. Um, so I don't think it's turned off completely, but yeah, I certainly don't, I don't direct people anymore to any Etsy. That makes sense. I mean, I think for all the reasons you've shared and also let's face it, it's also for you much more profitable to sell on a website than it is mm-hmm. to pay any marketplace, you know, when you have the fees and yeah. everything else. Um, and one thing I am curious about though is did you find it harder to sort of get people to your website because on it I think on a on a platform like Etsy or any other online marketplace obviously people are there to shop so they go in there and they're going in the search bar and looking for whatever they're looking for mm-hmm. did you find it like you had to market your business differently when you were getting people to a website if that makes sense yeah there's that balance isn't there because I suppose they might find you through Etsy but at the same time they can also lose you and get distracted by the products yeah um so it, yeah it's, it's a hard it's a hard balance to to get but um I decided I think I decided to to move to a website and I suppose put all my eggs in one basket thinking I can build a blog up I can uh, um take people's email addresses and and that at the time was more important to me um than people finding me through the end of the marketplace that makes that that makes a lot of sense I didn't actually think about it from that aspect that yes it's 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 easier for people to find you but it is also easier to lose them because you're right I mean I've done it when you're looking at something on Etsy and then you scroll down and then it's got like if you like this you might also like yeah and you can end up just clicking happily clicking further and yeah. further away from the thing you were looking at that does make sense I think the um, other thing with Etsy as well is that it's hard because I, I was promoting my bags at a, fi- a, a fairly high-end price I, I found it was difficult for people to to understand the story through um, Etsy then if I had a website I could tell more of my story and and I think with something like Etsy, you get a lot of hobbyists on Etsy. And not that I didn't want to be associated because I think hobbyists get a bit of a, a bit bad stick sometimes because the quality can still be there. But sometimes the problem is, is that they sell their products at a much lower end because they're not in it for a business. They just want to keep it as a hobby and it, the money that they are making just pay for their hobby. Um, so that was the other reason I think I wanted to have my own website as well is because of the cost of the product that I'd created I wanted it to stand alone and people understand why it was costing that much rather than being compared to um, too many other lower price products that does make sense as well because you're right when on any other marketplace you're comparing maybe not like for like exactly but you're comparing obviously different products whereas on your website yeah that makes a lot of sense um and did you have to change how you 
anything you did in terms of getting people over to your website um, because it sounds like you is most is it mostly social media you've been using to do that yeah I mean I think for a long time when I so when I first came onto Instagram it was a very different place than it is now I mean I know we go on about the algorithm but it is true it's it, it was a lot easier you could you could get your your posts in front of a lot more people um and so yeah so social media has been my one of my main ways of of getting new people to see my products but then at the same time I think a lot of it is word of mouth and particularly because of the bags um people will go and talk to their friends or they'll give them as gifts um and their marketplaces I think are quite important as well I think being able to go to a real market and, and chat to people um, and, and use that as a way of, of telling your story. I can take email or I can get emails down and get people onto my email, email list there. Um, uh, networking events are really good for, for speaking to other people. And I mean, I'm based in Cardiff and there's... There's, a, there's so many small businesses in Cardiff and we all talk to each other and I've built up that network over time and you get to know people and, and you might see them on social media and, and I know, just contact them, meet up um, and just start those conversations about what they do and, and help each other out. And I think that's another thing I've learned over, over the years is that is... is it's just chatting to other people about their businesses and what they do and um and not doing it to get anything out yourself but just because I mean I, I just love it I, I I love talking business to people and finding out about how they sell their products or service um and supporting them as much as I can and they do the same for me so it's just a really great way to to support that to build that network up of of um especially women I think as well I think I think we we really build our our businesses and the strength of our businesses up on emotional connections um, which you can't just do sometimes over social media I think it has to be done um, in real life it has to be done and and the only way you can do that is through meeting up in real life and having that yeah. coffee and chatting and um yeah absolutely we were talking a little bit weren't we before we started recording about how much you can learn from each other which is you know the main reason I I, I mean main reason I love this podcast is because it's genuinely interesting to talk about people's businesses and mm-hmm. why people have done what they do and the back this it's just fascinating and I think like you say there's a lot you can learn just by listening to other people you really can, and um, I mean, I, I, I've got a, fr- I've got a friend that I, um, she's my, well, she started off as my accountability partner. Um, she, she runs a business producing um, digital um, patterns. She's a fashion designer, and we, we started meeting up every, every week and bouncing ideas off each other, and it's, it's the most useful thing because. 
they can I mean apart from the fact they can hold you accountable it's just somebody to talk to because it, it, it can be really lonely working on your own in your business and sometimes that's all you need is just to say things out loud and somebody to turn around especially if it's somebody that's you can really trust and will be honest with you um you can say something and that person can either turn around and say no <laughs> that's not going to work or they can they can look at it from a different angle and make suggestions on how you can make something work slightly differently um and don't you you don't have to listen to them all the time and and i know my, my accountability alex accountability partner alex there's been times where i she's made suggestions <laughs> and i've gone completely against it but then there's been other times she's she's turned around and said look you really need to change this because it will make something it will help you in the long run and um and i've listened to her and i it's the best thing i've done um and and it's worked the other way around as well so i think um accountability partners are one of my biggest um suggestions i i talk to people to because i think it's a really useful um and free um oh, what's the word <laughs> i got i've lost um i've forgotten the word now but it's, it's a it's a really free tool that you can you can get if you can get that right person as well it makes such a difference Thank you so much. I completely agree. So having someone you trust that you can just, even if it's just to, to vent to or whatever it is, but just someone who's going to listen and mm -hmm. understand and give advice when you need. Yeah, I think that's invaluable. Mm -hmm. And I was about to ask you, Elizabeth, what your number one piece of advice would be for other product creators. Would accountability partners be it or do you have anything else you wanted? Um, it would, but I've also got another one and it's something. Um, I've done for the last few years um, and it would be to have a, a word of your year, a word of the year, because the last few years I've had a word of the year. Um, this one, this year's focus um, and I get it printed out and I put it on my wall. Um, last year's, I think, was it consistency? And the year before was fearless. Um, and, and we do, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I, I do goals and um and throughout the year come back to those goals and work on them but yeah just having a word of the year really helps giving that that focus that's something I can keep myself accountable to and I I mean the fearless year was was a really important year for me because I I I put myself out there and did a, a talk and it was about my it was about postnatal depression and I did it in as part of this networking event that I'd been going to the women um, mostly business women and I don't think I would have done it if I hadn't had this word um, but it, it really put, helped me to push myself out of my comfort zone this that year and likewise even this year focus because I see that word every day it really in, encourages and and reminds me to be focused uh, so yeah a word of the year I think is it <laughs> No, I really love that I am um, no one's ever said that before which I absolutely love 
I love it when mm-hmm. people have advice to them. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast Happy with Gretchen Rubin because they recommend on that podcast having yeah. a word of the year. That's quite a big theme that runs yeah. through the podcast. And um, yeah, I really like that. I, I I have done it previously. This year I don't have a word of the year mm-hmm. um, because I couldn't find one that resonated. And mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't want to sort of have something that I wasn't feeling. But in previous years I've definitely had yeah no it's ease I, think I it, had last year because it was all about trying to be a bit more relaxed and make things a bit easier on myself I think it's I mean it's such a simple thing um but like things like vision boards as well I did a vision board this year and I have it next to my bed so I see it it's the first thing I see in the morning last thing I see at night and that's really useful because even just the idea of when you put it together um you can really get focused on what you what you want and why and the why because I think the reason why you're doing what you're doing is is so important um and it doesn't it doesn't have to be just one thing I mean I've got things like family and um and where I want where I see my business and then even things like self-care and making making sure I make time for that as well and it, it is just a reminder because I think it's so easy to get caught up in what we're trying to do and what we're trying to create business um but having having a, a focus and and visualizing and I really love um um Carrie from the Female Entrepreneur Association she's brilliant at talking about visualization and and um looking into why and and the reasons for why we do what we are doing um because there's this there's more to life than just work and um I think we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes I think you're right well thank you so much thank you for oh. everything you shared Elizabeth and I love where you've ended I just think that's really yeah like I said that's advice I haven't had from anyone before and I really like that because I think it's something really practical that people can go away and think about doing that they might not have ever considered oh thank you so much for having me on Vicky it's been lovely chatting you're so welcome Thank you so much for listening right to the end of this episode. Do remember that you can get the full back catalogue and lots of free resources on my website, vickyweinberg.com. Please do remember to rate and review this episode if you've enjoyed it and also share it with a friend who you think might find it useful. Thank you again and see you next week. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.